Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. You do have it easy though. Me? Yeah, you. Why? Well, you've got Brazil and France. Yeah, it's true. But just one won something the other one didn't so I'm pretty disappointed well you had only yeah, one <laughs> yeah no hold on you won something last year as well Easter and you won something this year you know how often I I'm have pretty to, happy you know how as a Derry City fan and an Ireland fan you know how often I have to <laughs> wait to win something yeah I'm pretty happy actually but also there's a lot of pressure because then like you feel like you have to win even more yeah whereas when Ireland reach a tournament it's like it's already a huge celebration <laughs> alright you know, I'm just saying it's true right yeah He's got it easy too. Spain are always winning stuff. Not always, but it's just just the oh, under twenty one Euros this summer. Yeah, you had yeah. a glorious couple of years there. Yeah, glorious, glorious five years. But after that is our story of five, uh, playing like we have never played, losing as we are always lose. Yeah, this is the Me and you, me and you, we've got it hard. Yeah, well, it makes you tough. I don't know if it made me tough. Maybe I need to do what I do with my MLS team and pick like a new international country each year. Which one is this year? Like just randomly Brazil. pick them? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one to pick. No, that's what I think you, we did talk about this quite a bit before about changing of clubs, etc. Yeah, country's a bit different, isn't countries, it? Yeah, but are yeah. you choosing always a country that is winning? <laughs> Yeah. Why else would he choose? That's too easy. That's too easy. Well, also, my wife is German, so I did <clears throat> somewhat jump on that German bandwagon a couple of years ago. Four years till that 7-1. Hey, five, that bring- I think. Five, no? Oh, is it five? Yeah, oh, it's five. It's five. five yeah. Were you there? Yep, I was there. <laughs> I'm okay. traumatized. There you go. That, <laughs> that, levels, that levels the playing field a little bit then, doesn't it? Anyway. Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Bruno Fernandes. Hello. And Alejandro de la Cruz, Diago Gonzalez. Hello. Still loving saying all of your name. I know I know it. I know you love this. I really love saying it. Like, <laughs> it's just a beautiful Latin rhythm. Do you, you know? like saying it or is it just normal for you? No, it's normal for me. It's, okay. it's for example, it, it's, a, it's a family long story, but maybe, maybe on another podcast we can tell that. Yeah. When you introduce yourself to people and you go, Okay, look, I go, you know, hey, I'm, I'm Ian McCourt, how are you? Do you go, hey, I'm, Eliza, I'm Alejandro de la Cruz, Diago Gonzalez? Alejandro or Alex, period. That is the, <laughs> you don't give the full thing? I don't give the full thing. So glorious. You I actually yeah. have two other last names. In oh, yeah. Go on. Bruna Gonzaga Moura Fernandes. That's the Brazilian version. I got Natalia's name right a couple of weeks ago. I'm not even going to try with that one. Araújo. Araújo, yeah. Araújo da Silva. Oh, she's got a Da Silva? Yep. I don't think she wants people to know, though. Not too late. Uh, was a bit late for that. This is a worldwide podcast. What are the extra names on the end of yours? Are they? How does it work? Uh, it's my mom's names. Basically, in Brazil, you can have your mom's and your dad's. Mm-hmm. And so I have Bruna Gonzaga Moura is my mom's names, and Fernandes is my dad. But in France, it's only Bruna Fernandes, so I use them more. Wow. If you've got any name questions or football questions you want to ask, then the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. Now then, America, World Cup winners for the fourth time, thanks to a 2-0 win over the Netherlands. Were we all happy with this result? Mm, meh. meh. 
No, Khabib, Alejandro, you're not, you don't look so happy not about it. Not happy, but it was expected. Uh, once they beat England in the semifinals, England for me, it was the only team that could have beaten the USA. Uh, you were expecting, expecting that the that uh, USA would win the World Cup. Netherlands is okay. They are the European champions. They propose a very good game. They have very ta- talented players, but they don't have this extra factor they got the Americans so mm. uh, it's it was expected but no, let's say not not unhappy but not 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 happy also Bruna yeah the only reason that I'm happy about it is that like they are the only ones that are really like investing so much in women's football for so many years and so like that proves the fact that like if you do like work on it you actually win and you're like on the top of the world so that's the only reason like that it's pretty cool um, but beside that like yeah I would like to see like more competition and see other teams winning and also I'm disappointed for France but that's another story that is another story some people were suggesting that England USA was the real final uh, it wasn't it was the semi-final it was the semi-final <laughs> sometimes finals just aren't really entertaining you can't just oh you didn't enjoy the game I think it was good I thought it was fine he was kind of killed as soon as the first goal was scored I think yeah. I think the only way the Netherlands were ever going to win was if they scored the first goal of the game and they didn't um uh, yeah, I, but yeah, you can't just say that, you know, oh, that was the real final just because maybe it was more entertaining and more evenly balanced. I think in the sense that two of the best teams in the tournament. Yeah, but like Alejandro are. said, like Netherlands are the European champions as well. And it's mm. it's a young team. So like they're the European champions and they've gotten better since they were, were crowned European champions two years ago. So, yeah, I don't think Netherlands had a great tournament, even though. I think we were expecting them to do quite well. I predicted them to be like the dark horse of the competition. Yeah, they didn't never really like dominate or convince you that they were going to go and win the World Cup, but they still deserve their place in the final. Okay. Did I guess that nobody expected a different outcome from this going into the game? No, I don't think so. I think that even just the team selection from the Netherlands playing Miedemar more like as a number 10 instead of up front and Berenstein up front instead of on the wing, it would, it would just sort of like embodied this whole the whole dominance of the US. You have to stop them before you can play yourself. Mm-hmm. And the Netherlands actually did a great job of stopping them. I, they, Sarri van Ven, uh, Vendal was amazing in the final. Oh. But, but, I, but still, like even the saves she made, which were brilliant, the US didn't create like any amazing chances. There was no like one-on-one situation. There was mostly like from set pieces or shots from long range that she saved. I don't think... I think they were obviously clearly the better team, but I don't think they like... I think it would have been really harsh on the Netherlands if they'd have gone two or three goals up before halftime, even though Van Vendel was amazing. But also uh, remember that uh, they didn't create uh, the USA didn't create uh, chances in the in the first half as they were almost doing during all, during the main the the knockout round of the World Cup. For example, uh, shall we remember the game against Spain that after the the tie of Spain, the USA doesn't know how to react, mm-hmm. and thank God they had they got the penalty, mm-hmm. so they were able to advance of round. But uh, we wo- we also watched against England the same 
the when England tied, uh, the USA didn't know how to react. So that means okay, the USA are the champions, but the gap between the team, the USA, and the rest of the teams is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, it's something I would, uh, we're going to come on to a little bit later. Uh, it seemed like America got a lot of penalties in this tournament. Was that just me? It really seemed like they no, got a lot. No, they did. There were well, there was two against Spain. Yeah, for example, yeah. the first one for me, for me, the first one of the Spanish game was was a clear penalty, but the second one was very doubtful. What about in the final? What do we think of the of the penalty? Was it a penalty? I, I think when you have VAR and you use the slow motion and different camera angles, I think it always looks like, and I think it's always going to be given as a penalty with VAR. Yeah. But I. I wouldn't complain if it wasn't given. Like if I was supporting the team that was appealing for that penalty and they didn't get it, I would be like, "Yeah, I can see why." Um, and I think it's a, I, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a shame if if VAR just now means there's a penalty in basically every match because you don't want to see all these football games, these huge football games, decided just by penalties over and over again. Bruno, penalty for you? Yeah, for me, it was like it was definitely like a dangerous kick, like really mm. high. But it's it is like kind of complicated. But at the same time, like in unblocked the game, I think like we would have seen like a very long game when they're like really trying to push really hard, and then Netherlands is just blocking and resisting, and that's basically all that they really did. And, and so like the penalty, in a way, like the fact that the VAR helps like figuring that out actually helped us actually having like a normal game after that. So why not? Penalty for you? Yeah, in the in the final, yes, it was a penalty. Oh, see, I don't think it was. I think it was. It seems like you just. I think it was. It, it was, but it's like you kind of look at it and you're like, uh, really? Like it, a penalty seems like too much of a punishment. If you right. know what I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like a really deliberate foul or cynical or anything. It just, I don't, but yeah, it's just those, that's what the rules are. So if it's a foul, yeah. you have to give a penalty. That's not the way that they see it, though. Yeah. Like they just see a foul and yeah. they just see the penalty. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, Van Vinendal. Is that how I pronounce it? Van Vinendal. With yeah. Arsenal. Formerly with Arsenal. Now Formerly with Arsenal, yeah. Now without a club. Yeah. She- it was quite an advert when you're, when you're looking to sign a contract for a new club. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe he, can, he can sign on CD Tacon, the new Real Madrid affiliate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wears her boots a size too small out of superstition. Oh, it seems uncomfortable. It seems like a bit, a bit much, doesn't it? Uh, people have superstitions, so... Trying to think of some weird ones, but nothing really comes to mind other than Paul Ince always coming out last of the tunnel and never putting on his jersey till he gets on the pitch. Yeah, some players have that, like the last of the tunnel thing. Arsenal once started a game with nine players because uh, there's like the second half with nine players because somebody was injured at half time and getting treatment. And then Colo Torre always had to be the last player on the pitch. Uh. So he waited until the guy was out of the dressing room getting treatment. <laughs> really? um, so they actually, yeah, they actually started with nine. Did it work? Uh, they didn't concede so <laughs> oh yeah I don't know if it That's worked but they got away with it they got away with it speaking of goals Rose Lavelle oh, for a final to pull that off that's pretty special that was pretty amazing yeah it, it looked like this magical moment that you only have in a final uh, especially USA like I mean they are the ones who are capable to do something like that when they're facing like some kind of pressure um, but I would definitely say that there was other goals like since the very beginning of the tournament there are, like, oh, you don't think it was goal of the tournament I'm not sure like I really liked the Lucy Bronze one against Sweden like, oh, yeah. that was pretty 
that was pretty cool mm-hmm. like unfortunately there was one in uh, Italy had one uh, his name is forget right now but she basically smacked it in from about 30 yards in the top corner there, there was one yeah. f- uh, against Spain, no? It's no. South Africa against Spain. Yeah, South Africa against Spain. It was an incredible Spain. goal. Yeah, it was one of the goals, the first goal of South Africa. It was a very good goal. Uh, yeah, and the one that like struck me at the beginning of the tournament was Cristiana for Brazil against yeah. Jamaica. And she, she scored an, a hat-trick in Brazil's opening yeah. game. And the third one was a free kick that went in off the bar, oh. which is always just one of the best sights in football. It was amazing. Um, what I liked about the Vels goal is how she switched from, I think she started on her right foot with the dribble and switched to her left and finished it with that and a little... Oh, just to do it in a final like that that's so good she's going to be the next franchise player of the USA mm-hmm. in a few years once yeah. Rapino and Alex Morgan retires that it, it, will, it will come soon she will take this she's a real star the, yeah. the new star player of the US yeah. fun fact about her the last World Cup final she watched it in a pizza shop with some of her teammates and now she's there she is a couple of years later scoring the, wow. you know the goal that's pretty good isn't it yeah it happened the same with Harry Maguire uh, for uh, uh, two years or three years ago. He was watching England on the stands on the Euro, mm-hmm. and one year ago he played with England in the, in Russia. Those stories just melt my heart. <laughs> I really am a softie for those sort of things. Megan Rapinoe speaking afterwards saying it was tougher than expected. And this brings us back to your point that this is a sign that the gap on the USA, who have traditionally been the best team, is really closing now. Yeah, of course. We, we, we can see that in the, in, the, in the youth categories where, for example, in Europe, Spain has been dominating all the categories, all the under, under 17, under 19, under 20s, but also in, in the world, USA has not this, hasn't this big domin, do, uh, dominance they used to have before. For example, in, in, the, in the CONCACAF, uh, it has appeared Mexico, Canada is even more stronger in youth categories than, than, than the US. In Europe, Spain, Germany, the Netherlands also, England also, they are performing very well, investing all in in development of uh, younger players. Mm-hmm. So the thing is that the, the, the dynasty era of the, of the USA is coming to an end. Wow. They were the second oldest team in France as well. Yeah, that makes a uh, veteran gives 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 things, mm-hmm. and when you're a veteran, yeah, that that's a thing. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, you Megan, had mentioned before about Spain and how yeah, technically they had closed the gap. Yeah, I think you talk well. about the age and like Megan Rapinoe's 34, turned 34 at the tournament, and um, Alex Morgan turned 30 at the tournament, and you wonder if they're even going to be there to play at the next World Cup, and what happens after a generation like that. And yeah, I think um, I think it's just the development of the sport. I think what you see in the US team is that athletically they're so far ahead of the other teams and they come up they come so strong at the end of games they they're quicker they're stronger um and I think football is just it, women's football is going in the direction that men's football took maybe 10 years ago 15 years ago where the the, the more technical players start to have the upper hand and I think that's why Spain did so well in this tournament I think that's why yeah. England are closing the gap and why the Netherlands are closing the gap as well mm. Okay. Uh, there was 
one thing I wanted to add to that, given you mentioned Netherlands, that only one member of the starting 11 was born before 1990. God, that makes me feel old. Uh, and the level of support shown to them. I think there's plenty for the Netherlands to be optimistic about, no? Yeah, they definitely have like a golden generation. Uh, I mean, they won the last year and it was a total surprise for people. And then they, they got into the finals. So I think they, they have like great years ahead of them they also have like great supporters that was really fun to see like they were like all behind them partying in the in the cities and stuff and then that shows that there is a wave uh for them and like really great players like um um shanice van den Seeden, i don't know how to pronounce her name and leaky martins and vivian maidima like they, i mean they're gonna be huge stars and so definitely i think they they are one of the teams to really watch. Lovely. Yeah, and also there is one point that changed the women's football in the Netherlands. They were investing before they were uh, putting money in the in the development, but mm-hmm. on the 2017 Euro, that is the the key point, the turning point, when women's football in the Netherlands grow up, we could see also full stadiums in every every game Netherlands played in in in, in that tournament. And two years after, we 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 have seen it. Uh, practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. and Netherlands now can f- can fight for to, to become a world champion. More from uh, Rapina from her post-match presser. Uh, she says. And this is a long quote, so, so bear with me for a moment, but it is important. Uh, I think we're done with, are we worth it? Should we have equal pay? Is the market the same? Yada, yada, yada. Everyone's done with that. Fans are done with that. Players are done with that. In a lot of ways, I think sponsors are done with that. Let's get to the next point. What's next? How do we support women's federations and women's programs around the world? What can FIFA uh, do to do that? What can we do to support the leagues around the world? So how do they go about it, folks? That's a fairly easy question for all of you there. It was a, a cool moment when in the stadium after the, f- the final whistle, USA was getting the tournament and the, the crowd in the stadium was crying, equal pay, mm-hmm. equal pay. Mm-hmm. That can sum up what's, what's been this World Cup. The, uh, we, we said four years ago in Canada, it was a huge boost for women's football, but this World Cup of France has been even a big boost, yeah. a bigger boost for definitely. it. I mean, what is I think is interesting is that we definitely need more money that's like the first thing that she says it as well um i saw apparently according to bbc they doubled the bonus this year for like from 15 million to 30 million but for the men is 400 million euros uh dollars sorry and so france to like compare that won the world cup got 38 million that's more than all the 24 teams got on bonus in this entire world cup so like the difference is way too big it's really way too big like it's it's not to compare both footballs because they are different and it's not the same but like if you invest if you put more money if you put more money in competitions if like it has to be in between the workups it can be just during the World Cup that you show it you have to invest during the tournaments you have to have more sponsors you have to have the players learning from the like when they're six years old just like the boys and that's like super important to develop it in a better way we've had stories during this World Cup about players goalkeepers that said they never had goalkeeper coaching they just trained with the rest of the team until a few years ago in women's football which is insane like how do people expect the sport to grow and to develop and players to develop and the level to be high if that's the kind of funding and I think what's really important is like Bruno just said it, we, we can like focus on FIFA if we like but if the tournament 
every four years is what FIFA's in control of, really, with the World Cup. If people watch the World Cup every four years and then don't care for four years, then it's never going to develop. And now the really, really crucial thing is that the leagues, I think the leagues and the television rights for the leagues are done properly. So we have in the Women's Super League in England this year, the league have been given permission basically to play women's games directly before men's games. So Manchester City are playing Man United in the first ever women's Manchester derby uh, in early September and it's been announced that the game's going to be at the Etihad before Man City play a Premier League match which is great and people are going to be there people mm. are going to find it entertaining and then people are going to keep going you don't want the sport to become just a sport that people watch on TV and never go to the stadium mm. where the, and there's no atmosphere at matches and people don't get really into it and something I would love to see in England for example is that all of the games are on BT Sport it, one game a week put it on BBC and on free TV and the whole country can watch it if mm. they want they don't have to mm. but make it put it out there so that people can actually access it really easily free TV is the key one for me I mean uh, I don't know if anybody out there follows cricket but the World Cup is now in England and there's very little access for many people throughout the country because it's all on Sky or whatever it is and there's very little hype around it but if you get it onto the national broadcasters you get it into the stations that everybody has you can really help to grow the game it's a good example cricket as a sport is really struggling for fans and keeping people interested and engaged at the moment I started supporting or watching cricket because when it was on Channel 4 and like you, you, that's how you get people in. You can't, you can't grow the game if you're not putting it out there really obviously for people to see it. I'm old enough to remember it on BBC, Alejandro. <laughs> and also following the things that, that Bruno and you have said, Luis, uh, that's that the ball is now on the on the federations. The ball, the federation, mm-hmm. the FAs, they, they need to improve the game. What you have told about England that now the women's Super League are going to play in bigger stadiums. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, we 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 have also in Spain that uh, the Spanish FA will invest 20 million euro on a new league, on a new women's league, and also will invest 6 million euro per year on the women's national team. I think that that is the that is the way. Uh, it needs to be done, and it will need also many steps to development. But uh, that is a good start too. Yeah. Do we collectively feel now that there's um, a, a feeling there that you know there can be the push towards women's football to, to grow the game? There is like it's there is some good signs. For example, you're talking about uh, free TV in France. France against Brazil uh, beat all the records, and it was uh, like around 12 million people on free TV watching it, which like nowadays is pretty big. People don't mm-hmm. watch it in the same way at all. And um, the last record was like four million and so you see like a big difference now and people are definitely like more interested into it so I guess there's some good signs like you you do have to get people interested to actually make it bigger and so that way as you're saying like you have to show it and you have to show that it's actually good and then you can totally watch it and enjoy it and like support your team Mm -hmm. and have favorite players and everything else that you do with men's football in the same way England's semi-final against USA was the most watched TV show not sport the most the most that anybody has watched a TV show I think it was like 17 million this year yeah wow. in 2019 that is the thing that the most people have sat down and watched live mm-hmm. on all of British television okay so 
it's absolute nonsense when people say that people aren't interested or the audience yeah. isn't there. It clearly is. Speaking of the equal pay, would you be interested to hear Snoop Dogg's uh, opinion on this? Yes. He said, he's talking about the US men's team and he says, uh, the sorry ass fucking men's team from the US men's soccer team may never win shit, ain't ever win shit, can't get out, can't even get out of the fucking first round. Man, pay them ladies, pay the girls what they're worth. Yeah, amen. Listen, listen to Snoop. That's what I would say. Uh, more from Snoop. He's not feeling the bottle cap challenge. He's not interested That's in the bottle cap challenge. He can't get his leg high anymore. Maybe not. He says, I'm sick of this fucking bottle of shit. Yeah. I'm with him. Also, Recycle because Recycle your bottles and don't buy plastic bottles anymore. That's more important. Well, listen to Bruna. Also, I can't get my leg that high. <laughs> and I saw somebody one of those Kardashians do it on like a jet ski and I thought well that's the end of that I can't afford a jet ski never going to do that anyway it is time to hand out some highly prized one football women's world cup awards first up surprise of the tournament who'd like to who'd like to start with this one Alejandro yeah go on surprise Italy without mm-hmm. any doubt Italy we were uh, 20 years after they came to uh, they, they come back to a World Cup uh, two years ago in the Euro they, they didn't perform well they, they got eliminated on the first on the, on the group stage and they have a right to a quarterfinals fighting against the, against the vice champion the Netherlands so what, what can we ask anymore for Italy and even also making uh, audience records in Italian in television mm-hmm. okay anybody want to add to that totally agree oh yeah. Italy Italy and also Norway because they the last Euros they lost all three of their group like it's historically a really big nation for women's football but they lost all three of their games at the last Euros and went out I think without scoring a goal as well all of the talk unfortunately really unfortunately for the 23 players who were at the World Cup all of the talk was about the one player who wasn't at the World Cup when she hasn't even played for Norway for two years anyway it's not even new news Um, and Norway went all the way to the quarterfinals so it was good to see heroine of the tournament well I would say Mata yes that's the right answer yeah (laughs) go on not that you're biased yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a little bit biased, but still, like, she scored in the whole time that she played in World Cups. She scored 17 goals, and that's, like, the best score between uh, with men and women together. And just, like, the way that she is, like, she's such a big leader. And at the end, where she lost against France in, like, that crazy game, um, she'd, like, turn to the camera and say, like, those amazing things. Oh, like, cry now to smile to smile after um, the, the football, the women's football depends on you to survive and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, like, she's really, like, a person that has been working into making women's football um you know, best scene in like the entire world, and uh, she's amazing. So I'm a big fan. Marta and also Megan Rapino. Yeah, Megan oh, Rapino. That is, yes, is, is is the icon of the, of this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, every World Cup has a player that is the icon of it. For example, four years ago was Avi Wombats, and this year is Rapino. Yeah, hard to argue with that. Yeah, you're not gonna add. You anything can't add that, anything you know? to that. Uh, do we have a villain in the tournament? Yeah, I have one. Oh, Bruna. Don't know Trump. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> villain of life. Yeah, he's a villain in many in many ways, in many things, but in this case particularly, he was he was there. His talking smack to Rapino. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Morgan. What? 
Alex Morgan. I understand. Alex Morgan, yeah, because after the, the all, we need as we need also in in these workers, we need also have some villains because they are they are also the the, the best in of football. We need nothing some, nothing is fun without an antagonist. No, I, I mean I mean the celebration of uh, uh, against England. Okay, that could be a bit a bit. Uh, to to provocate the, the 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 English people, but it's normal. It's a World Cup, and and we also need this this uh, trust talk moments. Yeah, I liked it. I liked our celebration. I didn't think it was that big a deal. Then again, yeah. I am Irish. You kind of got turned into the villain mm-hmm. with that though, right? Uh, VAR pissed me off yeah. pretty much every yeah. single game. Um, but I think Donald Trump's the definitive answer. Is it? Okay. Yeah, also Donald Trump. <laughs> does, uh, if we go on to disappointment of the tournament, does that have the overuse of VAR as well then? Yeah, yeah I mean, maybe not the overuse of VAR. Actually, I would I would point the finger at FIFA and the Women's World Cup was used as a guinea pig for its for the new laws, like oh, the, yeah. new, the new handball laws, for example. They would never, like, drop it suddenly in the, the start of a Men's World Cup. Yeah. But, you know, it just felt like women's football was used as a guinea pig for that, um, which is just horrid. It's a World Cup. You can't just do something yeah, like don't, that. Yeah, don't do that, FIFA. That's um, stupid. Yeah, and... If we're talking about like the football itself, probably Australia. Oh yeah. Mm, for me, it's France. <laughs> <laughs> for that obvious, can be also France for obvious reasons. Did Japan. You, Japan. Japan. Yeah. It, it, they came as the vice world champion. Okay, they were they were facing a new vice world champion. Yeah, that's a new for, title. I like that. Four, four years ago, they mm-hmm. they were second, but uh, we were expecting a bit more of them. Not not the things that uh, we, we have seen in this World Cup okay so. Let, let's get on to more positive ones then favourite moment of the tournament you mentioned it already for me it's Marta's speech yeah Marta's speech is definitely on my my top three like I mean it was so powerful and so amazing I got a little tear after but I also got a tear with the goal that Thailand scored against Sweden that oh, was just amazing yes. that was so cool like they were really like struggling 5-0 and like 91 minutes and and they score something and then everybody starts to cry and I was like oh my god this I'm is getting, so beautiful I'm, get, I'm genuinely getting a bit teary just thinking about it it, w- <laughs> it was a really lovely moment it was Lewis uh, you're nodding in agreement yeah she took my answer okay <laughs> no uh, I yeah go let's on let's see let's say one moment if this involves Argentina Spain. Argentina coming back from a 3-0 against Scotland oh, oh yeah. and celebrating it the team it probably it was also a huge moment for Argentinian football in fact uh, after all the story behind the Argentinian women, women's national team uh, but but paid uh, ignored by the Argentinian FA all the people all the all the all the difficulties they have to to come to come to, to this World Cup mm-hmm. so this comeback from 3-0 through to 3-all it was probably for me a part of Marta's moment that it was very nice and also the Thailand goal. Uh, there were two moments that, like, with, with no allegiance to any players or teams, that made me feel pain in the World Cup. Okay. And one of them was Scotland, Argentina. <laughs> but like oh. to to watch them, they were so close to qualifying, three 0 up, and then to three two, they concede a penalty, they <laughs> save the penalty, then it gets retaken because she's half a millimeter off the line. Um, 
It was that and the other one that like Poor I found. Whelan still hasn't recovered. Yeah, from he that hasn't. One. Uh, the other thing that I found really hard to watch was the Cameroon players oh, yeah. when their goal was taken back against England. I did just there was just horrible to watch. I thought that entire game was really yeah. hard for them. Yeah. Nobody's mentioned Phil Neville's press conferences as their yeah. favorite moments of the tournament. <laughs> I, w- I almost named him as the heroine, but. Uh, Probably not. No. He did, if we had an award for best David Brent impression, yeah, he'd win that. Best self-appointed saviour of women's football, <laughs> Philip Neville. <laughs> uh, team of the tournament, Bruna. USA. USA? Yeah, there's not much I can say about it. It's just <laughs> they were everywhere all the time, all the big moments. Um, it was them, so. Bruna has defined my thoughts, so. Okay. Sweden. Sweden. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I don't think any of us expected Sweden to go as far as they did. And then they would. They really, really fought hard in that semi-final as well. There were moments from a from a World Cup final. So just like a, a little mention for Sweden. They okay. weren't the team at the tournament. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Netherlands. I have to say, but especially how they frustrated America in the final. Just given that no other team was able to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll, I'll go with your USA. Okay, player of the tournament, Lewis. I think I'm going to say Ellen White I, I just thought Ellen what? White was brilliant in every England game they didn't even make it to the final does the player of the tournament always have to make it all the yeah, way to the final that's, that's how they do it uh, no, go think, on I'll let you I'll let you win well I one. think what so she, she no, finished keep it on White. That's she, she finished just behind uh, well, she had level one goals for the golden boot um, and Megan Rapinoe scored three or four penalties to get the golden boot um, yeah. no Ellen White was I think I don't even know if she was England's best player to be honest because I think Lucy Bronze is and was England's best player but Ellen White decided every single game she was just dangerous in every single match and I thought she was amazing in the whole tournament the other player who didn't even reach the semi-finals so I obviously can't say that mm-hmm. but the other player that I thought was brilliant every time I watched them was um, Sarah Debritz from Germany oh yes good shout Bruna yeah, not very regional, Megan Rapino for me. Like she was the star of this year's um, tournament, and not just because she played really well, but just like her presence as well, like her importance. Um, so I think like it's her. Her whole personality sort of yeah. encapsulated her it. Her really. pink hair, yeah. pretty cool. It is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't look as good on me. Again, as Bruna said, Megan Rapino. Maybe you two should have consulted yeah. before you came on the podcast. Today. Yeah, I would say like Ali earlier said mentioned Megan Rapino as the icon of the tournament, mm-hmm. and I would have it as a slightly different thing to um, the, like the player of the tournament. Ah, I see what you mean. Yes, on pure footballing terms. Yeah, yeah. I think this was like Megan Rapino's World Cup, but I don't think she was the best player. Okay. Uh, is there anything we would like to see change for the next time around, Bruna? Well, yeah, like I said before, like I would definitely would love to see in the four next years more invest in, investment in women's football. And so we have more competition as well. Like we're saying that USA is going down, but like they still have like s- such a like a amazing tournament and like 100% of their players came from directly from their own tournament in America. So like we have to be able to beat that, to have more competition, to have like, you know, amazing players. They're like showing what they what they're capable of and in in that way like we have like the next World Cup we wouldn't be like oh USA won again like mm-hmm. oh, that was ex- expected no maybe we'll see like different stuff coming up so 32 teams that's my as Gianni uh, Infantino said on the conf- press conference before the final that they were thinking to expand the next World Cup in 2023 to 32 teams and I think it's 
compulsory really after this tournament we have seen that 24 teams it's it's isn't isn't big enough for for a tournament like this so get more countries involved basically more countries and more slots for South America because the bad thing of South America is that that uh, the on, there were only three teams from South America mm -hmm. they only have 2.5 slots to qualify mm. and Asia has five and also more slots for South America but also for Europe I think that could generally be done around the world much better yeah, yeah. yeah for the men's too you full stadiums like the ticket sales weren't bad but it was not promoted properly at all I saw journalists arriving in Paris like the day before the first game and tweeting that they arrived in, at the airport in Paris and there was no advertisement like nothing there saying the Women's World Cup is here which is insane it would never happen for a Men's World Cup um, and FIFA as well FIFA themselves like the official account for the tournament were tweeting things like um, just a few games still have tickets remaining and it just wasn't true I don't know if they were trying to like make people hurry up and buy tickets mm -hmm. but I read those tweets and I was like well if I was thinking of going I would be like ah oh, damn it like not yeah, even going to yeah. bother looking for tickets now like, just advertise it properly and it goes back to funding like you have to yeah. put the money in mm -hmm. but there's no reason Alejandro mentioned earlier the Euros two years ago in the Netherlands the Euros is going to be in England in two years maybe the answer is playing in slightly smaller stadiums sometimes the Euros in England is not going to be played in big Premier League stadiums mm -hmm. But it's just not nice to see empty seats. Even TV wise, it makes would, it, it you, makes it a better spectacle. You would rather you would for. rather play in a twenty five thousand stadium and fill it than play in a fifty thousand seat stadium that's half full. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Okay, as we say each week, podcast at onefootball.com is a place to send any questions you want us to discuss. Uh, elsewhere, Brazil, Bruna. Congratulations. Thank you. You won it. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah. You, you have a title for the first first time since you won the Copa America 2007 for that. Yeah, 2007, whatever. Who stayed up to watch this one? Me. Okay. What did you make of it? A little bit different from the last time Brazil played Peru. Yeah, it was a, a, a very different, but we also saw a very good game. I love Peru, really. Uh, Gareca tried to manage a team after that 5-0. Uh, they, 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 he changed his mind. He said, "Okay, guys, it's going to be a very different game. So don't be, don't, don't have, uh, don't have in mind the, the last time. Just play like, like you know and." fight it. We saw it after the first goal, Peru didn't, didn't went down and, and they continue facing the goal of Alisson and even got a, a conversation, they got a penalty. Yeah. So, Can we talk about that penalty? No, VAR has been very controversial on this, on this Copa America. It's been very... Yeah. Um, I know it's the new law, I get it, Yeah, but it's rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think like so there was always this thing, I don't know if this happens in other countries, but we've always had this thing in watching English football where people like they want a penalty and then people will say ah oh, but and this is not about handballs but about mm -hmm. VAR. Um people will say like oh that will be a foul on the halfway line but then they don't give a penalty, you know, because it's like a penalty is too much of a punishment for that kind of foul. But now when you use the video, obviously it is a foul so then they go back and give it. This is like the Women's World Cup, the final. Mm -hmm. Like I think, yeah, maybe that foul was given on the halfway line but then in the box they never give it because they don't, it's it's too harsh to give a penalty for that. But now obviously they check it on the video and then they give a penalty every time and it's not great. I didn't realise Thiago Silva was still playing for Brazil. 
Yeah, always. Danny Alves too. Yeah, He's I mean, this guy's like Benjamin Button. <laughs> he's, he's 36, won, I think, 40 trophies, right? Yeah. Like he, oh, that was going to be my question. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. But he's like the, the like the most, like the guy who won the most trophies in, in history of football right now. And it's just like, it seems like everything was fine there. Like he was just playing like he always plays. And it's pretty amazing. It, it is amazing. Game. He's probably still arguably the best right back in the world and he's what what did we say he's 36 I think yeah 36 36 still playing for Brazil he was actually back there in 2007 he's the only one that survived this whole time he's the only one that was in 2007 and this time as well 12 years later still winning it I don't understand wow yeah (laughs) maybe he is Benjamin Button (laughs) I get a point right there Uh, was Jesus the star of the show Probably not. Probably, okay. yeah. Jesus was the villain. Yeah, he, he, he got was, the headlines. He, yeah. he, he, he was the villain of the final, mm-hmm. but the star was Everton, really. It's There's a lot of talk about Everton. I mean, you saw him in the final. How good do you think he is? Uh, he's very good. He's not. He, he, but he's not. He's not playing now. Neither in Europe. He's playing Gremio. Mm. Yeah. He's, so there's nothing wrong with Gremio. His nickname is Cebolinha. I would like to say that. His what? His nickname is Cebolinha. Cebolinha means little onion, and it's from a comic book that is really, really famous in Brazil. And I love that. I love that he's called Cebolinha. I want to call him like that all the time. We got. I, I agree. I agree. Bruno's motion. We can call him Cebolinha. Cebolinha. I'm not even gonna try pronounce that. No, one. do you? Cebolino. Cebolinha. Cebolinha. Oh, that's good. I have to go. Yeah. Cebolinha. Oh, that's good. I did see the cartoon that you're talking about. I didn't feel like there was a huge resemblance there. Maybe the hair. Yeah, it's just because of the hair. Oh, that's so, what it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Everton's not been this talked about since the 80s. Hey, like it. That was, that was for Elliot. Yeah, he, uh, he has been linked with a lot of clubs, Man City, a few more. But he is a, well, he's a Gremio, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we talked some interesting comments from Leo Messi. Mm. After his Alejandro's rolling his eyes well, already. On. After his vicious assault on Gary Medell, uh, we talk about terrible decisions. The red card for Leo Messi. There. I've never seen someone sent off for being hit before. It's amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. But anyway, let's. Uh, I can't confirm or deny whether Messi had a tinfoil hat on when he said this. But he said, uh, "We leave this cup with a triumph, but above all, with our heads up and with the feeling that this time football was not fair with us." For what we played and because we were superior to Brazil, <clears throat> we deserve to be in the final. But we have to look forward and with optimism because there's a future and a very large base in this team and we just have to give time. It, it, I know a couple of weeks ago people were saying on this podcast to strip him of the captaincy because he wasn't fiery and angry enough. I don't know who said that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it does seem a bit... I don't know. It just doesn't it seem very, very controversial. Mess- it doesn't seem very messy-like, I have to say. Against Brazil. <laughs> but they weren't the better team against Brazil. That's that's one point. Mm, yeah, they weren't. And the idea the the idea that <laughs> no, it's, just, it's just pretty obvious. But the idea that this uh, you know people would conspire against Argentina just I mean, like the only the only thing you can say in his favour is how Vieira didn't overturn his red card. Mm. He must be wondering like what what it's actually doing. Like it, if it didn't overturn that red card, because it was a no. crazy decision. 
But the thing is, they, I think the red card is, is not for uh, being punched by Medela and facing mm. him. The red card, it, it's, I think it comes b- b- for an action before. There was a little push. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, oh, but come on. a red yeah, card. Even, even if for that, I, I can neither understand the red card. It's No. Yeah. Uh, we have a question for all of you to answer Anthony uh, Zacchino has emailed in with it and he says having watched much of the Copa America is it fair to say that the current level of play is lagging behind Europe and any idea why that might be I would guess the pitches don't help the pitches don't help but I think it's I think it's more than that I think it's like let's take Brazil as an example mm-hmm. and the level of t- turmoil in Brasileiro where coaches get sacked all the time like they lose three games yeah. and they're still top of the league but then they get sacked because they lost three games like I don't know how players and playing styles are supposed to develop when when you react like that and I think still South America is very the strengths of South American football really are like the the fighting spirit if you want to put it like that and the kind of street footballer but when you have like we see the best examples like Luis Suarez playing in Europe and when you have like a European style of play with a couple of players like that I think it works great when everybody just wants to fight each other all the time and it's very street football everywhere it just becomes a bit chaotic for a whole team to play in that way I would also add that the level of international football has gone down over the years there was a time when it was well club football just gone up so much more maybe that's a better way of saying it but there was a time when international football was the peak and it's just with the Champions League and everybody in Europe it's not the case and also we are watching that uh, the big South American nations for example in the case of Brazil and Argentina those two cases they are on 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 a no, on a no way policy they have a policy but they don't know how to focus on it because for example Argentina is now saying that uh, Cesar Luis Menotti the head of national teams of the Argentinian FA he, he, he signed four months ago before Copa America and now there is the rumor that he can resign that's yeah. that's not uh, Argentina. Argentine. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same. Like with Brazil, it was, yeah. If they lost the semi-final, he was probably going to be sacked. Yeah. And then they win, and now he's probably going to be there at the next World Cup. Brazil, and I don't know. I don't even understand why there's like talk about his future. I obviously don't watch every Brazil game, but Brazil have conceded more than one goal once since he was appointed manager. This is this is not like a crazy situation where you're losing all the time and you have to sack the coach. And they did all of that without Neymar. And then they just won a tournament without Neymar. And they was still going into the final r- rumors about his future and I think the CBF like actually said he would be the coach no matter what happened mm-hmm. but the fact they even have to come out and say that when you're in a final is just crazy yeah. and let's remember that in one year they start the qualification for the World Cup in South America so this tournament also can can uh, was also a a, a key, a, a good, a good key to see which teams can can do and will not do mm-hmm. for the for the World Cup. I think that after this, Argentina and Brazil they won't they won't have any problem to qualify. But for example, Colombia, I don't know if let's see with Queiroz they can do it. Chile, it's it gives gives me more doubts the new after the new management with Reinaldo Rueda. But on the other hand, for example, uh, Venezuela can do the surprise if Dudamel mm-hmm. uh, tries uh, works well. Ecuador, 
they are focusing too much on the miracles of Bolillo Gomez, but I don't think that this time uh, uh, this coach can do a miracle with Ecuador unless mm -hmm. he calls uh, the under 20 players that they were shining. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That is the uh, this 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 Copa America. It was also a very good, a very good point to see how are the teams before the World Cup qualification. Mm -hmm. Well, I would suggest only Brazil are really in very good shape. Yeah, probably they're the ones that they, 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 they will have any, they would they would not have any problem to qualify. Again, congratulations, Bruno. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all from us today. My thanks to Luis, Bruna and Alejandro. Uh, we are back next week on Thursday with something of a transfer special. Hey, that's exciting. You should see Luis's face right now. In the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.wordfootball.com. Thank you.